Brian Kelly mentioned something at his Monday press conference that raised a little bit of a red flag for me. Is there something that is really good for LSU that could also be a little bit of a bad thing? We'll get into that on today's edition of Locked in LSU. You are Locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, we are on YouTube as well. So you can listen to us on your preferred podcast platform, but you can also listen to us on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page, Locked on LSU. This episode of Locked on LSU is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially when it comes to college football coverage. With a massive lineup of games across the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the SEC, I can always catch the games that I want on Sling, and now you can too. So check out Sling TV now to see the massive lineup of games they have all season long. Sling, the TV you love, for a price you'll love too. So try it today. Now joining Locked On LSU, SI.com recruiting insider John Garcia Jr. joins us. So John... Brian Kelly spoke with the media earlier this week and talked about how there are advantages and disadvantages when it comes to recruiting when you're competing in your conference championship game. So let's start with the negative side of things. How could competing in a SEC championship and not having that extra week of being on the road, going out on the recruiting trail, possibly work against LSU this week? Well, it's it's right there, right? It's the FaceTime, uh, the the ability to show up uh, for these recruits. You know, I think certainly if there's some targets around the Atlanta area, I think LSU will be able to pop in uh, at least quickly on Friday night. But yeah, otherwise, two birds with one stone. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, you're not going to go see the kids in California or Texas or the, the further away places. While your the entirety of the conference outside of Georgia is going to be able to go do just that I've already seen in home visits with, with certain um, coaches and players. So that's something LSU won't be able to do on the negative side. So just the pure, I'm feeling the love from this school, that meter has a lower ceiling for LSU, but it's only over the next few days. So I, I think there's obviously much more positivity than negativity, but we've seen Saban and smart and a lot of coaches kind of complain over this, uh, this situation over the years, especially when, signing day was earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think last year it was like December 14th, right? So in that regard, you've got less than two weeks after the title game to sign these players. So that time is really valuable, at least silver lining wise this year, the signing period starts December 21st. So there is a little bit more time for this, this staff, LSU and Georgia's to go hit the road and kind of make up for any time loss. But yeah, one-to-one, you have less time than, you know, 12 other schools in your conference. And that's something a competitor like Brian Kelly does not appreciate. And how much of a difference can that really make? I understand the face-to-face time is invaluable. I understand that when you're competing against essentially every other team in the country, not just those 11 other teams in the conference, 13 other teams in the conference, you're competing against the rest of of the country. So really what kind of a difference does that week truly make? It's not huge. You know, I I know 
Look, coaches are notorious for focusing on the most minute of details. So in that regard, you understand why this is brought up. It feels like almost every year by one of these one of these prominent coaches that that is known to, for being a great recruiter. So you understand why to them there's some FOMO, right? It's mm-hmm. like I'm missing out on an opportunity right. to make my team better. And, and roster management and talent acquisition is more paramount now than it has ever been in the history of the sport. So again, in those regards, you understand why the, the, the micro becomes the macro. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's just tangibly one or two less opportunities with a high level prospect than, than you would have otherwise had, but you would not trade that opportunity for that spot in the sec title game by any stretch. So it's, it kind of is what it is on both ends. And, and that's kind of what I want to get to next is because I understand that week is invaluable and understand that you want to get as many opportunities as you possibly can to get the leg up on the Alabama's, the Texas A&M, so on and so forth. But how big is that? And I'm sure it differs, you know, kid to kid recruit to recruit to for LSU in terms of recruiting to be on the biggest stage, at least as the conference is, is concerned. It's massive. Everyone in the world knows that the SEC West is, is the gauntlet, right? That's mm-hmm. the best division in the sport. It's been considered that, gosh, for 10 plus years at this point. So if you represent the West in that game in Atlanta, especially with the speed and the the, the quickness that LSU has been able to do it under Brian Kelly, it means a ton. Um, all of the question marks, just go, go back to the offseason, right? All of the question marks surrounding Brian Kelly in individually and this coaching staff in terms of not only the ability to, to coach on Saturdays. I mean, that, that it kind of is what it is. I think he got that benefit of the doubt, but the ability to come in and fit in and, and get everything to click nearly immediately. I think that has, has been fascinating to watch and that creates Caroline its own level of benefit of the doubt with LSU that offer today feels different than it did six months ago for kids in Louisiana and in that entire SEC footprint. So I think that creates, again, just that benefit of the doubt where you're like, Hey, this is going to be something here every year. This wasn't 2019 flash in the pan, all the stars align national title and then fall off cliff. This feels different. This feels like LSU is going to stay in the mix with Bama, uh, with Ole Miss, some of these other schools every single year here going forward. And that ability to consistently contend uh, is is invaluable in recruiting, especially when you're at a school like LSU that is always going to be in the mix for top talent. And part of the reason you've lost some of that talent, particularly in state, is because of the stability elsewhere in Tuscaloosa and Athens and in other places. And I think that's why, I mean, I'll speak for myself here, why albeit the Texas A&M loss was just devastating and the possibility of going to a college football playoff and competing for a championship that died in college station on Saturday. But I left that game feeling so much more, I don't know if confident is the right word, but I'll use it anyways, confident rather than that loss after, after Florida state, because after Florida state, all the questions remained what is the Brian Kelly era? Was Brian Kelly the right hire? Now it's, okay, we've seen what Brian Kelly's done in one year, albeit a loss is devastating. We have a year sample size to say, hey, he's been able to turn things around and get this team to the conference championship in just one year. 100%. Yeah, that's a really great way to frame it. Uh, Yeah, I was in that group, right? After FSU, Mm -hmm. it was like a whole lot of, okay, this Ah. is what we we were all curious about, right? So, 
yeah, it feels totally different in that regard. And obviously, look, since that point, FSU turned out to be pretty darn good. Yeah. So it, that loss actually profiled better as the year went on. Um, not making up for the AM on-field product, certainly a disappointment. I think I know Brian and, and the rest of the crew have, have reiterated that. But yeah, from a long-term feeling based off of one game, it, it was night and day after FSU versus after Texas A&M because you still have a championship in front of you. You still have everything in front of you and an opportunity to, to really plant that LSU flag under this coaching staff. Getting there is, is one thing. Contending and or winning is an entirely different one, and that did not change with that A&M loss uh, even though again timing wise you certainly wouldn't have preferred that right but it again it is what it is and they're going to move on and feel confident going into Saturday and, and look they should they should right Georgia has not faced kind of the gauntlet that LSU has and Georgia has not been tested to the degree that LSU has so you use that to your advantage and uh, you let the chips fall where they may on Saturday kind of combined with a uh chip on their shoulder mentality of we aren't who we were in college station and we are who we were against Ole Miss, against Alabama, against Florida, so on and so forth. Uh, but coming up next, a couple decommitments from LSU in the 2023 class. Why and how should LSU fans feel about it? We'll get into that with John coming up next. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. There's football, basketball, soccer, World Cup odds, esports. They've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline.net. They've got everything not just a sports book not just a place to win money but they've got your insights as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts well thank you for making locked on lsu your first listen today so for your second lesson today check out locked on sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, SI.com recruiting insider John Garcia Jr. is with us. John, we had a couple of decommitments from LSU in the 2023 class. Joshua Mickens, edge rusher from Indianapolis. Darren Reed, another defensive lineman from Columbus, Georgia. I know each of them have their own stories. Why did they decommit each within you know a couple hours of one another, a few days of one another? Um, why did they decommit first and foremost? Why? Look, I think actually in both cases, it's a combination of each improving his own stock with, mm. with a pretty strong 2022 season yeah. and geography, believe it or not. You know, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, Mickens is from Indianapolis, right. really upped his stock. This was really profiled as a strong evaluation by Brian Kelly and company when he was brought on board, played his way into an Ohio State offer uh, during the season, Midwestern kid had been to Ohio State like three times this year already. So mm -hmm. the moment that offer came, you just knew, hey, this is going to be a fight for, for LSU. It just, again, it it just kind of is what it is. If you're a kid in that part of the country and that offer comes in, it hits different. It's just like a New Orleans kid picking up that LSU offer. It's, right. it's going to hit different and be tough to pull away from regardless of how you've built it up to this point. So that combined with the fact that he was back in Columbus on Saturday for that uh, Michigan game, you just knew something was going down and, and he officially right. decommitted, um, I believe that night. Uh, and the expectation is that he's going to stay close, closer to home and play for the Buckeye, which is something again, that you just can't, 
it just kind of happens in recruiting, right? It, it's never that simple. There's certainly more that went into it, um, but but you knew when that offer came in from Ohio State, that was going to be tough to overcome. And then with Reed, you wouldn't think geography was as big a factor, but look, Auburn has done a very good job recruiting defensively despite the transition from Brian Harson to now Hugh Freeze, which is it's weird to say. It's the first time I've said it on a podcast. That's going to be something we got to keep rolling with. But defensively, in between the, the coaching decisions, Auburn had done a really good job. Um, and, and I think that's that's part of the reason why Reed opened up his recruitment and, and made that switch. Look, uh, Columbus, Georgia to Auburn, Alabama is, you know, 40 minute drive. You know, that, that's certainly something in that community. If you've ever been there, it's very close, very tight knit. Those kids, it feels like the best ones. It's like Georgia, Alabama and Auburn. Like you mm-hmm. end up at one of those three schools. Right. Um, other other powers have tried to get in there and, and had some success. And we thought LSU would be one with, with Reed here, but Auburn really never let up, uh, even though they've had so much turmoil uh, and change on and off the field. So I, I think that one's just more of a, you know, hey, look, Auburn did a good job under Jimmy Brumbaugh, the defensive line coach. We'll see if he's retained now under Hugh Freeze. You know, that's one where it could get more interesting. You know, Darren says he's 100% locked into Auburn and a lot of their recent commitments have been sold on the university and just the feel and culture as opposed to the personnel that they'll be dealing with. But we know in recruiting, that's a big deal. It's all about the recruiter just as much as it is about the school. So if and when that staff is finalized, that will be another player that comes up in the conversation because how does that work from the Auburn perspective? In that regard. So curious to see if LSU is still uh, in it for Darren Reed here going forward. But again, I think in both cases, geography had a lot to do with wanting to play a little bit closer to home and that opportunity evolving over over the last few months for for each of those guys. And I, I think whenever I and probably a lot of other fans of any fan base out there see 2D commitments so close together, specifically of the same position group, the question arises, is there something that LSU did? Is there, LS, is there something that LSU could have done more? Or is it simply just this kid has certain preferences, whether it's geography or coaching staff, so on and so forth, that they would like to pursue? Yeah, I, I really wouldn't worry as much philosophically with LSU. I think everything's rolling in, in that regard. And, and look, they're, they're, it's just the time of year, Caroline, where everyone's dealing with this. Uh, I just saw a kid decommit from Georgia two days ago. Ohio State had two decommitments in the last week and a half as well, including a quarterback where you're like, how in the world at that position are you going to move on from Ohio State where it's been so darn consistent? Um, Quarterback factory. Yeah, but it's just, it's recruiting and it's different nowadays. I think that's important too, right? It's different. There are, there's not as much convention and logic in a lot of how this stuff is presented, right? NIL is a factor. So many other things are a factor. I mean, Michigan, a playoff team that just got that Ohio State monkey off its back again, just lost a commit to Miami last Mm -hmm. night, a a team that's not even going to a bowl this year. So as much as perception guides us on the field, this new era of recruiting is is reminding us that, hey, there's expect the unexpected, expect changes of hearts, and expect things to, to kind of fall off quickly from one to the next without a whole lot of expectation along the way. And coming up next, there's been some big shakeup in the SEC. So how will that leave an impression on the 2023 classes and beyond? How can we start to see some recruits and will the, where they will fall? We're into that coming up next. So after all of the drama, 
weeks and weeks of Lane Kiffin potentially leaving Ole Miss to go to Auburn. Then it was reported that he was going to, and then Lane Kiffin takes to Twitter and says that he's not. And it was a whole thing. And then it has now been announced Lane Kiffin is staying at Ole Miss. Hugh Freeze to Auburn, which I always knew that was a name that was going to be kind of flirting with that job. I didn't think Auburn was going to actually take it. Excuse me, Hugh Freeze was actually going to take it or Auburn was actually going to hire Hugh Freeze. But nonetheless, now that there is a little bit more consistency and stability with who's going to be at the coaching position at Ole Miss, and now that it's been announced that Hugh Freeze, who is, you know, known to be a great recruiter, is going to Auburn to SEC West Powers, one that, you know, an LSU decommit has already committed to. How is that going to shake things up in SEC West recruiting for LSU specifically? How can we see a shakeup specifically in the 23 class? Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking at the offensive players. Um, when, when you bring in a Hugh Freeze, as he assembles his staff, which, look, sometimes it happens quickly, sometimes it doesn't, right? The only thing we know, as far as I've seen, is that Cadillac Williams is going to stay on board. And be, as he uh, should. Right, right. I love him. 100% earned it. So he'll be the associate head coach and running backs coach. So mm-hmm. in those regards, we know what Auburn or what, what Auburn's going to bring under freeze and the perception of him comes with offense, right? It comes yeah. with quarterbacking. It comes with production and points dating back to the Ole Miss days. And even before that, Arkansas state, all of that. So I do think you're going to see a bit of an uptick from Auburn and it's ceiling offensively, which is not what we've seen over the last few years. They've been able to recruit well defensively, as we mentioned with the Darren Reed flip, Mm -hmm. and the offense was more spot recruiting, right? Brian Harson, West Coast guy, brought in a lot of his people, and that philosophy never really translated on the field, so it really stunted recruiting on the offensive side of the ball. So this is an immediate fix to that, but then the question marks remain on the rest of the staff, right? How how does it look? Who's retained? Mm-hmm. All of those things. I just saw the defensive coordinator will not be retained, uh, Barack Obelantani. So th- those decisions are going to have an impact going closer to signing day, especially as the new names come in as we get closer to December 21st. But I do think in terms of the benefit of the doubt, offensive recruits will have that for the Auburn Tigers much more than they have under Brian Harson, and I would say at the tail end of the Gus Malzahn era at Auburn, I think that the offensive ceiling is going to be a little bit higher. All the other stuff that people keep asking about morality and, and you know, all that stuff, that's for each recruit and his family and and, and circle to deal with. Conversation so, for a different day. Right, right. We won't <laughs> speculate on, on that regard. Um, and then with Lane Kiffin sticking, it's a big deal, a uh, huge yeah. deal. We just mentioned that when you represent the West in Atlanta, in December, it means you survived the gauntlet. And mm-hmm. that gauntlet is, is probably still beginning with Alabama in terms of how we talk about it. But now that next tier has, has really been identified as Ole Miss. And that's kind of the second school now that we're consistently mentioning beyond uh, LSU in the West. And, mm-hmm. and Lane Kiffin staying there, which is not necessarily in his MO to stick around at a school I think that does say a lot about how comfortable he is, maybe how his his business philosophy has matured over the years. And let's be honest, the success he's had. I mean, two years ago or last year, 10 win season for the first time in school history, overhaul the entire offense with with new players. And it's not the same level of success. There was a bit of a drop off at the end of the season, but you were in the mix if you were Ole Miss. And it was still very offensive laden. So I do think in terms of the long-term change in the SEC West, it's going to be as cutthroat on offense in recruiting 
as we are always used to seeing on the defensive side of the ball with, with some of these programs. So I just think it, it makes the gauntlet that much harder on the recruiting trail. Um, those battles will be that much closer. And so for us, it'll be more fun, but it'll be a lot harder to project at the same time. Adding just another character to the SEC West coaching rotation. My goodness. Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, Hugh Freeze, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher. Whew, it just got that much more interesting. Uh, but looking ahead to some uh, scheduled commitments, Desmond Ricks, five-star corner out of the IMG. He's predicted to land at LSU, making his commitment later on in December. Do you predict that LSU will be his landing spot? Yeah, I think they've done a really nice job here. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is a program that is, has always been known for bringing in elite corners. And from the moment Ricks reclassified from 24 to 23, there was a lot of LSU buzz coming in. I think Florida is the primary contender. I think they've done a good job. They're the in-state school. Corey Raymond is there to bring it back to, to familiarity with your audience. Absolutely. Um, but the trips to Baton Rouge have been successful in just about every way. And there's there, again, there's more belief and benefit of the doubt because of how successful LSU has been on the field. Look, when you come from IMG Academy, you're used to winning. So that part I think plays so much more importantly for a decision, uh, you know, for a kid coming out of IMG. So LSU is profiling differently than the Florida Gators. Uh, Bama's in there as the third team, um, they need a cover corner in this class. So you certainly never count them out, but that decision's coming up here sooner rather than later. And I do think that's huge news for LSU in particular. Again, if there's a top threat, I'd probably go Florida over Bama at this point, but he's still going to take some visits here down the yeah. stretch as well. So it'll be close, but today I do think LSU has the advantage. And LSU needs defensive back depth. While the secondary, I think, has overachieved expectations this season, they still need to add depth there. So what would he bring to the table? If you had to compare him to a college player, a player in the league right now, who do you think you'd compare him to? Oh, that's a great question. I'd probably go a little bit of Kool-Aid McKinstry at Alabama. I think he's I like hearing that. He's got great length at six foot one, and there's a confidence that – when it catches up to the technique, it's going to be scary. Uh, he, he might be further along than McKinstry at this stage, which says a lot, right? Because he's reclassified it. So he's essentially skipping his senior year of high school. But I do think technically he's further along than McKinstry was at this stage where coming out of uh, uh, the state of Alabama, he was more of a receiver, DB return hybrid, just a great player, also played basketball, never really able to focus on the cornerback position as opposed to Ricks, who is at IMG, where nobody's playing both ways, even though they're all talented enough to do it. He's playing corner every day against great receivers. Um, and, and there was a, a different points last year where he was the best player on the field as a sophomore at IMG full of future Saturday and eventually Sunday players. So the maturity, the competition level that comes with, with what Desmond has gone through in his own level of the gauntlet over the last few years at IMG will prepare him for a near immediate impact, even when he skips a year of high school. So I think he contends day one, no matter where he goes. John Garcia Jr. We appreciate you for joining us. Where can people find you? Yeah, real simple, si.com slash college or check us out on Twitter. We're talking ball every day. John Garcia underscore JR. All right, appreciate you. We'll chat with you soon. Sounds good. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you're next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day 
available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And coming up on tomorrow's edition, it will be a uh, mailbag edition. So make sure to get your questions in. Any comments, concerns, I'll make sure to get to those on tomorrow's edition. Plus, we'll have a Locked On crossover with the host of Locked On Bulldogs. What is all you need to do to get a win in the SEC Championship? That's all coming up on tomorrow's edition of Locked On LSU.